You are listening to the MZBC Students Greenhouse Podcast. For more information about Mount Zion Baptist Church, go to mzbc.net slash students or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MZBC Students. All right, so tonight uh, is the last uh, is the last in our series uh, of the Comeback Kids where we look at stories uh, in the Bible of people who are uh, underdogs or at some point down, and then we're able to come back. Uh, a lot of times be used uh, for the Lord in some really cool things. Uh, so tonight, if you haven't been here the last few weeks, that's what we've been looking at. Uh, if you have been here, this is the last week that we'll do this, and then next week we'll move into uh, a different topic series. Uh, tonight, uh, as with the last few weeks, I was trying to you know come up with a movie or a TV show or something that would kind of loosely connect it. Uh, tonight we're talking about uh, sin, but uh, in a lot of ways we're talking about bad decisions, uh, and so I, I realized as I was looking through movies, there are actually, I don't know, I'm just throwing a number out there, like 90% of movies, like the main plot involves somebody making a bad decision, and then like the rest of the movie is them like trying to figure out how to get out of it, or fix it, or something like that, right? Like that's most movies and TV shows. Uh, so I decided I'd just have a few examples of that. So uh, I'll give you a movie, uh, the bad decision was made, and then I'll offer what I think would have been the smart decision. Make sense? All right, so Avengers Assemble. You guys remember that movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the terrible decision was by Thor, right? So at one point, they have Loki locked up. Thor and him are having a conversation. He works uh, Thor up, and then, like, in his, like, awesome, manly, like, strong way, he, like, attacks, like, jumps at him or whatever, and then Loki, like, duplicates himself in, like, this weird, like, alien way, and then, like, boom. And then all of a sudden, he's outside of the little deal that they had uh, imprisoned him in, and then Thor is in it, and the door's closed, boom. Loki's out, Thor's locked up, right? Loki even says, when are you going to stop falling for that? So the bad decision by Thor was that he even fell for that to begin with. He grew up with a guy, remember, it's his, like... uh, adopted or half or something some weird connection brother i don't care that much because thor's like the worst character um anyway uh yeah he looks good but who cares about that um what looking at me like what anyway uh so that was the bad decision the good decision would have been to remember that your brother is a lying sneaky dude who can like do cool alien things when you attack him right uh so the smart decision would have just not be a stubborn-headed guy and remember what your brother can do. All right, Jurassic Park. I'm not talking about just the recent one. I'm talking about all of the Jurassic Parks. There's this one bad decision that they make in every one of them, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. That's what I'm getting at, all right? So all of them together, the bad decision was you made an amusement park of murdering machines and you let humans come. Like, what? Hello? So the smart decision would have been don't make an island full of murdering animals and invite people to come to them, right? Seems fairly logical in my opinion. I mean, dinosaurs are cool. Make dinosaurs. Take pictures of them. Send them. Send videos or something. Don't just be like, hey, everybody, you can come. You won't get eaten. Joke. Um, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Many bad decisions in that story. But uh, how many of you guys have ever seen the YouTube channel, uh, How It Should Have Ended? You guys ever see those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I agree with how they, they say the Lord of the Rings should have ended because it would have been the smart decision. So the bad decision was that Gandalf decided to give the ring to Frodo and his little band of buddies to try and, like, these little bitty munchkin guys, like, run across Middle Earth and, like, chunk this thing in a volcano. It's like, bro, you've got these eagles this whole time. Like, you see, like, a few movies in, like, he's got control of these eagles or whatever. You're like, why don't you just, like, give one of them it and they could just, like, dive bomb the ring down into the volcano and be like, boom, movie over. Uh, I mean, I guess it wouldn't make them lots of money in three movies worth, and that wasn't how it was written. But I'm just saying, the smarter decision uh, would have been to have cool eagles do it, not little hobbits with huge hairy feet and eat a lot. Um, King Kong, you guys, it's been a while since they've done the remake of that one, but you guys know the story, right? Um, So the bad decision started when they decided to capture a big angry gorilla, but the second worst decision uh, was that they brought it to uh, the most populated city in America, right? Um, So the smart decision would have, leave the big, scary, angry gorilla alone, right? That's, uh, in life, leave big, scary things alone, right? That's pretty typical. All right, the last one I have for tonight, last bad movie decision uh, was that they made Twilight movies. All right. had to get the little jab in there, you know, jab. Um, all right, overzealous. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I actually only ever saw the first one, and I fell asleep halfway through, so I don't know. Um, if the rest of them might be better, I'm not sure. Um, yep. All the girls are over here like, I don't know. And the guys are over here like, they're, they're dumb. What? Donnie's, Donnie actually secretly watches them every day, but he's over here like, yeah, those are dumb. Yeah, that's dumb. Nobody should watch that. He mad word. Yay. Um, isn't that his name, right? I don't know. Um, all right, so tonight, the story that we're going to look at in Scripture is actually a made-up story. In the last few weeks, we've looked at, like, real people doing real things. Tonight's story uh, is one that's made up by Jesus. A lot of you know the story, uh, some of you may not, but even if you haven't been in church for a long time or at all, you've probably heard reference to this story in some way uh, in culture. Uh, the story is uh, the parable of the prodigal son, right? Prodigal son? Yeah, yeah. Um, not prodigy. Prodigal. Cole. Gull. Gull. There's a G in there, but everybody always says Cole. Um, Anyway, so this is a story. It is a parable. For those who don't know what a parable is, I'll quickly cue you into this, okay? It's a story that is used to uh, illustrate or teach a spiritual or moral lesson, right? Jesus did this a lot in his teaching, the three years that he taught. and I mean, he may have done it before then, but we know for sure from the record we have in Scripture, the three years that he taught, he used parables a lot. Uh, and so this is one of them. This is one of his longer ones, uh, and in this one, uh, and the way he told his parables, yes, they were relevant to his people that he was talking to then, but he told them in a way that the truth in it is still just as relevant for us today as it was 2,000 years ago, right? So turn to Luke, Gospel of Luke, and go to chapter 15. <clears throat> There's a lot of reading in Scripture tonight, so I need you guys to stay focused, right? It's a, it's a really good story, but you still need to stay focused, uh, even if you know the story and can tell it yourself. 
I need you focused in, right? So we're in Luke 15. We'll start in chapter 11. I'll give you another second to get there. Hmm? Yeah? Chapter 15, verse 11. Excuse me. I misspoke. Uh, all right. Everybody there? 15, 11? Here we go. So as we go, I want, I want you to hear Jesus' words. That's why we're reading this. Uh, but there are times that I may stop and uh, pull us out and explain something, and then we'll go back in, right? So I, I'll need you looking here at the Bible and then looking at me and then back in the Bible, right? All right, so here we go. It's Jesus. And he says, there was a man. So we know there was a man, right? There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property uh, that is coming to me. So in this day, in Jesus' day, uh, in some parts of the world today, and maybe even some in the U.S., uh, but not as much, uh, there was this thing called an inheritance, right? So when a father uh, died, all of his property would be split up amongst his sons, not his daughters, because they would be married off and they would get whatever their husband's inheritance is. Uh, so it would be split between their sons. So this guy has two sons. The youngest one says, hey, dad, can I get my share of the inheritance? Now, typically, 98% of the time, you don't get your share of the inheritance until your dad dies. So he kicks the bucket, right? Croaks. Takes a big leap into the sky. I don't know how many every times you want to say that. Um, so you don't typically get your inheritance until he dies. So it's actually pretty bold that this guy would come to him and say, hey, can I get what's coming to me? Can I get the money that's going to eventually be mine anyway? Most dads uh, would say, no, backhand him a little bit and say, get back to work, right? That's what my dad would have done, uh, though my dad would have just laughed because there's no inheritance. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> get back in. His dad doesn't do that, though. His dad doesn't do the typical dad reaction of, like, you're crazy, you got to wait till I die. So here we are. And he divided his property between them. So he went ahead and took and, and divided his property and gave the younger son his portion of his inheritance. Side note, this is actually a bad plan because dad's going to be alive for a little while longer, so his inheritance might actually grow, but he went ahead and, like, cashed out on it right then. So anyway, that's not a part of anything. I just thought about that. Verse 13, here we are. Not many days later, the young son gathered all he had and took a journey uh, into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. So after he gets his money, it's not a little while longer, he says, hey, I got all this dough. It's not doing anything for me here on this farm doing dad stuff. I need to go like live life, go somewhere else, make my own way. Uh, sounds to some cut out. Uh, no, go to another land and make my own way. And it says that he, uh, where was it? He squandered. That means he just wasted it all. He wasted his property in reckless living. Verse 14. And when, uh, and when he had spent everything, a severe famine uh, arose in that country, and he began to, uh, to be in need. So, like, he spends all his money, and he's thinking, like, oh, there's more where that comes from. And then all of a sudden, like, this famine hits the land, and you're just like, all right, well, I guess there isn't any else coming. So he's, it says he's in need. Uh, back in here, verse 15. So he went and hired himself out to one of the uh, citizens of that country uh, who sent him into his field to feed pigs. And he was longing to feed uh, with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. So here he is. He spent everything that his dad gave him. 
famine hits. He's starving. Nobody gives him anything. Uh, he finally convinces this guy to hire him uh, to let him be like a helping hand on the farm and feed the pigs and that sort of stuff. He's so desperate. He's so hungry that he decides, or he's at least toying with the idea of eating the slop that the pigs get, right? Which is like just gross stuff, leftover human food, like all kinds of stuff. It's just nasty things because pigs are nasty but delicious animals. Um, So he's at this point, about as low as you can get, you're ready to eat the same thing that pigs eat. And then what happens? Let's look at verse 17. He says, uh, but when he came to himself, so apparently he was, you know, he was thinking about this for a while, and then all of a sudden, you ever, you ever been thinking about something, and then all of a sudden, like, it clicks, and you're kind of, like, back in your normal mind, and you, you think about what you just thought about, and you're like, oh, that was pretty weird. Why did I think about that? You ever been there? Right, so it says, and when he came to himself, that's what he's talking about, um, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? So he starts to begin to think about um, his his dad and the servants that he has, and that even his dad's servants have enough food to eat, but here he is thinking about having to eat pig food. Not pig for food, but pig food. Uh, verse 18, he says, I will rise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. And so I imagine it like this. I heard somebody tell it this way, and I, I kind of feel like this is pretty good. Like, whenever you're going to say something to one of your parents, how many times do you, like, practice it, at least in your head? Like, before you go, you're, like, trying to deliver it in a way that they're like, okay, I agree with you, right? And so he's, he's walking back to dad because they didn't have cars back then, right? So he's walking back to dad, and he's practicing. He's like, father, I have sinned. I'm not worthy to be your son. Uh, please let me just be a servant. Uh, being a servant with you is better than all the stuff that I experienced out there. And he's practicing this stuff. So he says, uh, he's coming uh, to his father's house. Da, 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 da. And he arose. We're in verse 20, in case you're lost. He arose uh, and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Now this verse is one of the most beautiful pictures in all of Scripture. All of Scripture. Now, there, there are things like Jesus rising from the dead, that kind of stuff, that's way cooler than this. But this particular part of this story is one of the most beautiful moments in all of Scripture. Imagine this. You're the dad, right? Your youngest son has dishonored you, decided he wanted his inheritance early, you agreed for whatever reason, and you gave him half of everything you own. He left, never to be seen again. So you've been shamed. Your youngest, your youngest child is gone. I know you guys don't necessarily get this as much because hopefully you've never had kids. Um, but put it, put it in this way. Okay, your best friend decides to take every, half of everything you own and then leaves town. You'd be pretty mad, right? Pretty hurt? Right? What would you do if they showed back up at your door? Kill them? Well, it's pretty hardcore. I'd probably want to punch them in the throat like real hard. Followed by, like, 
you know, cross. I don't know. Um, but listen, this dad, he's sitting there. Listen, 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 listen. So this dad has been shamed. His child is lost. He, all he know, for all he knows, he's dead. He's out doing whatever it is he was doing, and he sees in the distance a person. He says, that looks like, we don't, we don't know the son's name. Uh, he says, that looks like my youngest son. And then he gets a little bit closer. He's like, I think that is him. And his, he like, his hope starts to rise. And then he realizes that it's his son. And instead of being mad and hurt and angry, because he loves his son so much, all he can do is be excited that his son is alive and that his son has come back. So he runs with everything. It doesn't say that like he waits till his son like gets close, right? It says it see, he sees him a, far, a long way off, uh, and the human eye can see. Uh, I think what, we can see the horizon, which is what, 13 miles if you're on like flat land, right? I doubt it was that far, but it says a long way off. He sees him and he just runs. He sprints full on. He doesn't get there and go, "You're an idiot," right? He doesn't do any of that. No, he runs. My dad would do that too. No, he runs, and he just bear hugs him. He picks him up. He's excited. He celebrates. He kisses him on the forehead, I assume. Um, so he full out loves his son and is excited that he's back. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture of redemption, and we'll talk about that a little more here. Okay, so uh, he just uh, embraced him and kissed him. Verse 21 and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned uh, against heaven. And before you, remember he's practiced this, right? And before you, uh, where am I? Lost my place. Da, 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 da. 21. All right, Father, I have sinned against heaven. And before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And it says, but the father said to his servant. Remember, there's more that the, that the son had practiced, but the father, it like stops like halfway through what the guy was saying. It says, but the father said to his servants, uh, bring quickly the best robe, uh, put, uh, put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and uh, let us eat and celebrate. So the son starts, you know, dad hugs him, uh, kisses him, celebrating, and the son starts in his speech. He's like, Dad, I've sinned against you. I've caused you shame. Uh, and he's like going through this stuff that he's, uh, that he's practiced, and Dad's not hearing it all. Dad's like so excited uh, and, and loves that his son is there that he immediately is like, oh, we got to celebrate. He like looks at his servants. He's like, go get the best robe in the house. Uh, put rings on his hand. He doesn't have shoes on. I'm not sure why, but get him some shoes on his feet. Uh, get the fattest cow out in the field. Let's kill that sucker and grill up some steak. We're celebrating tonight because my son is back, right? Yeah, party. <laughs> Barbecue. All right, so they're celebrating. Verse 24. All right, back in. Looking at your Bibles. Verse 24. For this my son, uh, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Uh, and they began to celebrate. And this is where the story changes, for those who know. Now, his oldest son, we haven't seen him since the beginning, right? All we know that there is an older son, but we haven't heard anything from him. So here he is, enters the picture. Now, his oldest son was in the field. Uh, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked uh, what these things meant. And the servant said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, uh, because he has received him back uh, safe and sound. 
But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. How many of you guys have a brother or sister? Yeah, most of you? All right, hands down. I asked you to raise your hand, not talk. All right. So those who have a sibling, have you ever been jealous of a sibling? Yeah? All right. I didn't ask for the story. I just asked for yes or no. Listen up. Go ahead and sit up. Sit up. Um, that's, where, that's where he is, okay? He's, he's been working in the field, working his tail off, and he comes in, he's exhausted, he hears music and, and dancing and, and things like that, and he's going, like, it's not Wednesday, we're not partying, what's, what's happening? Uh, and so he asks the servant what's happening, and he finds out that his younger brother, remember who has taken all his money and left, is back. Yes. You hear me dancing right now? All right. Anyway. Valid question. How can you hear dancing? Uh, With music, typically, I mean, you can hear clods around on wood and things like that. I don't know. Um, Just go with it. Jesus said it. It's got to be real, right? Unlike the internet, everything Jesus says is true. Um, All right. Verse 28. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, which means he just, you know, grabbed him and was like, what are you doing? Uh, Verse 29. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. So here's, here's the deal, okay? Dad comes out, sees older brother mad, says, what's up? Uh, and, and older brother says, all these years, I have done everything you have asked me to do. I have been the best son that I could possibly be. And yet you haven't even given me a young goat, right? So in this day, like the fattest cow in the field was either like when you were just really hungry or whenever there was something to celebrate. The young goats, you wouldn't do anything with except feed them until they got fat enough to produce milk or kill them, right? So basically what he's saying is you haven't given me anything. You haven't even given me the smallest, most meaningless thing on this farm. But yet my brother... Your son who has shamed you and, and left is back now and you're, you're giving him a fatted cow and a celebration and a party? I've been the best son ever. Where's my party, right? That's what he's saying. In some ways, these are valid arguments, but in a lot of ways, he's being extremely selfish. Uh, so here we are, back in verse 30. We're almost done reading, okay? But when, uh, but when this son... Uh, excuse me, verse 30, so he's saying, uh, you never gave me a young goat, so I might celebrate with my friends. Look at our Bibles, right? Verse 30, but when this son uh, of yours came, uh, who has devoured your property with, pro- uh, with prostitutes, you killed uh, the fatted cow for him, and he said, to, he said to him, so the father saying to the son, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. Uh, it was fitting to celebrate. Be glad For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. (laughs) 
So those of us here, in one way or another, most of the time, not 100%, but one way or another, we fall into two categories. We are either like the older brother, follows all the rules, works really hard, does what we're told to do to earn people's affections and love, right? You may not full on do that, but if you think about it really at your core, that's who you are. I tend to fall into this category a little bit, just being honest with you guys. And then there are some people who are on the other side of the scale, not 100%, where you don't care about authority, you don't care about rules, you just want to be your own person, right? If we boil it all down and we think about ourselves, again, not not 100%, but in a lot of ways, you fall into one of these two categories. And in these categories is where the sin comes in, right? How many of you guys uh, have heard of spoken word? Not like me speaking word, but it's a poetry form called spoken word. Any of you heard of it? Cool. I get to introduce you guys to something new tonight. All right, so spoken word is this uh, typically hip-hop style uh, poetry that teaches, it's kind of like a parable in its own way. They're typically teaching some kind of uh, lesson or telling a story. One of my favorite artists in spoken word, his name is Propaganda. Uh, we're about to, in just a second, watch a video where he's talking about these two sons. I want, I want to introduce you to, you, uh, to this because I think it's cool, but I want to introduce it to you um, so that you understand what's happening. At first, if you're not sure what's coming, it's hard to kind of pick up on what he's talking about. So, he's talking about these two sons in this story and us, how we relate to these two sons in this story. Right? So, look at the screens. Let's watch this. See, we're really not so different. We all got issues, some just more easily identified. See this one? This one keeps tally marks. And that one, he done lost count. He the type that loves rubrics. Like, tell me how to do this, practice makes perfect. And that one, and that one questions everything. He don't do too well with authority. Like, let me learn on my own. Experience is the best teacher. Let me learn by my own hands. And this one, this one is good visibly. But that one, that one failed miserably. This one got it covered. That one don't need a covering. And this one got it all figured out. <laughs> But so does that one. And this one knows he's better than that one. His filth fills his nostrils. You stink of lawlessness, selfishness, rebellion, arrogance. But that one knows that this one has been brainwashed. A drone that can't think on his own, so prone to conform. You stink of vain repetition, of selfishness, judgment, arrogance. See, we all got beliefs. This one, this one loves the mirror. Spends hours there perfecting his reflection, knowing full well it's lying to him. He just knows that his religious cosmetics would cover up his blemishes. Feeding the poor, helping the needy. That's God's airbrush, right? But that one, that one hates the mirror. He's embarrassed of his reflection. He just knows that if he blows enough, he'll be too high to notice or even care or question if it matters. Like, why should I believe in a system that feeds a man's ego, right? See, we all got beliefs. We all got issues. They both liars. It's just this one is tired of doing it. 
and that one thinks he earned it and that one don't deserve it but that one agrees so he believes if i master these 12 steps perfect this prayer then i will be okay and that one agrees that if this one was more like me we would both be okay see we all got beliefs we both believe in our own means this one heaps up good deeds he's involved in social justice let me prove it. He has never let a tool click, but he's been so judgmental on souls he's left bruises. As if his filthy rag righteousness makes him any better than that one. Homie, let's say they were both swimming to Hawaii. And this one, this one made it 10 miles. And that one, he made it one. They are both equally dead. See, we all got beliefs. It's just that that one believes if I ask for forgiveness, heap up Hail Marys, I'll be worthy of his mercy. We all got beliefs. Problem is we're both wrong. Because at the foot of the cross, the ground is equally level. I wish I was half as cool as that guy. Uh, anyway, so you should look up more of his stuff. Propaganda is his name. Um, so let, let's start here. We'll talk about that video in just a second. In case you haven't picked up on it, the story that Jesus is telling, the characters represent certain things, right? The father in the story represents who? God. Character in the story represents God. The father character represents God. The sons represent us, mankind, right? There's a lot that the guy said in the video that could be talked about for a long time. Uh, but the thing that I want to key in on, if you remember, he talked about these two guys looking into a mirror, right? And the difference and how they see themselves in a mirror, right? So the older brother looks in the mirror, and he, he knows what he sees is fake, but he's proud of what he sees because he's, he's trying to look the part. He's trying to be obedient uh, and be religious and earn his way to God, to earn his way to a relationship and love with his father, right? And then the younger son doesn't want anything to do with the mirror. And he, he made a reference uh, that he was so high that he didn't, couldn't see it anymore, that he had smoked the mirror up. He's talking about drugs and things like that, uh, or he just doesn't care about the mirror. Uh, and this brother realizes that there's something missing, and that's why he questions, and he lives that promiscuous life, right? He, he realizes that there's something missing, that he's broken. That's why he doesn't want to look in the mirror, because he knows that he's broken, and when he looks there, he's going to see brokenness. But what he doesn't realize is that it's the love of his father that he's missing. Right, so he goes out in the world with money, and does all, all the things that the world has to offer, and he finds himself at a point where he's about to eat pig slop. And at that point, he realizes that it's at his father's house. It's with his father. That's where he needs to be, right? So we, more often than not, fall into one of these two categories, right? We're either 
just by human nature. We're either trying to follow the rules and work hard so that people recognize what we're doing so that God will think that we're good and that we're holy and, we're try- and, uh, and that we're good enough for him, or we just reject it all. And we push away and we don't care about anything that the Bible has to say, anything uh, that church has to do with anything, right? But as with most things in life, there's some kind of middle ground. There's some kind of compromise and moderation that needs to happen. Because Jesus doesn't waste his breath when he gives us commands, right? When he gives us, excuse me, rules or commands, they're there for a reason. But Paul also doesn't waste his breath later in the New Testament when he says that we're free from the law, right? It's this sort of weird space that we live in that the love that hopefully, if you have that relationship with Jesus, the love that you have for Jesus and God the Father is what leads you to to be obedient, not obedience trying to earn the love. It's you know you have the love, so you're obedient. Do you see the difference there? One is you're, you're being obedient to earn the love. One is you realize you have the love, and because you love, you're obedient. Does that make sense at all? This means yes? Right. On the other side, the world today, society, constantly... Uh, is telling us that you can just be whoever you want to be, believe whatever you want to believe, whatever makes you happy, right? That's not the case. If you're a Christian, the happiness that you seek is the love of your Father, right? Is your relationship with Jesus. If you're not a Christian in the room, you're you're like, the, you're like the prodigal son at, that, at this point. You're in the world. You may not be at that point where you've just lost everything and you've done crazy bad things like the prodigal son. Like I said, n- none of us are rarely 100% one of these characters. They're just representative of a whole, right? Uh, so you're there. If you don't have that relationship with Jesus, you're there. And maybe some of you actually have a relationship, don't have that relationship with Jesus and you're playing church, and so you are trying to be like the, the older brother but you don't actually have the love because you don't have the relationship, all of it's in vain, right? So Christians and non-Christians alike fall into these categories, and where we allow ourselves to go is where our sin falls in place, right? So earlier we talked about the, the big takeaway, and propaganda talked about it in there. We all have sin. We all have beliefs. But it's what we do with those but show us who we really are, where our relationship and our love and affection really are focused. Right? So you have a sin, whether it's working in vain or it's disobedience. List everything under those, right? But it's if you're a Christian, it's working out that relationship and working out of that love and obedience. If you're not a Christian... It's finding that relationship and realizing that nothing in this world will complete you, will fill you, will whatever, except for a relationship with God. And I hope that tonight you'll talk to me or an adult leader or your Christian friend, uh, and you'll get that worked out and you'll start that relationship um, with Jesus. So the takeaway is that we all have sin. It's what we do with it that matters.
uh, and what we should do with it is repent and find ourselves at the foot of the cross believing in Jesus, right? So let me pray and let's go to small groups. Jesus, I thank you uh, for coming uh, to this planet as a real human being. I thank you for the words that you spoke. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, for um, pushing men like Luke to write these words down so that 2,000 years later we can learn from Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would uh, take these words, well-spoken or not, take these words from Scripture and burn them in our hearts, convict us, and move us on, pull us closer to you. For those in the room who don't know you, I ask that you would, uh, you would open their eyes and help them to realize that a relationship with you is what they need. Nothing in this world. Christ, I pray. Amen. All right, grab a rug, sweat out, go to your group.